On this week's episode, we're covering the future of X11. Is it time to say goodbye? And who's leading the effort to make it go away? Welcome to episode number 343 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Jill. I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. Also, in this awesome episode, we're going to discuss the passwordless future. It's time to get rid of your password manager, or at least that's what we're being told. Now, let's get the show on the road toward Destination Linux. Community feedback this week comes from Glenn. He says, in regard to DL341... I saw a company we support still using kernel 2.6 as recently as 2022. I know that must be part of the small percent who use kernel from between 2003 to 2011, but I feel that big companies like some I deal with keep those systems much like some Windows XP on their desktops. I paid for a proprietary piece of software that is too expensive to move off of regardless of the technical debt. Love to hear your take on the Linux ecosystem. So first of all, thank you, Glenn, for writing us. Yeah, I am not surprised that there are companies who are still utilizing very old versions of the kernel. And But like oh, yeah. you, Glenn, if I went into a company and saw it, I'd probably still be surprised, even though mm-hmm. I know that type of stuff exists because banks I know are on very old infrastructure, yeah. which is very scary. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. Some friends I have that work in the banking industry talk about how old and archaic their architecture is and insecure in many instances. So uh, from that, I guess I'm not too surprised on that. School systems, governments, those type of things generally, and and big companies. I mean, there are a lot of companies who will pay Microsoft millions of dollars to keep supporting very old versions of things because they just don't want to migrate. And it's just too much for them to uh, migrate all that infrastructure over to something new. So I... I don't disagree with that. I think at the end of the day, though, my take is, you know, the developers, the testers, everybody talking about burnout, if they want that type of support, then pay for it. Because you know what fixes burnout? Money. Money. Yeah. Money, money is the answer to many burnout. things. Yeah. <laughs> Not everything, but many things. Yeah. And I, it doesn't surprise me either. Like the technical debt thing is something that can be painful to overcome. And I know some companies don't want to deal with the technical debt, don't want to update. And I've been known to update slowly on occasion. (laughs) So there is that, I suppose. But this reminds me of a company I did work for a few years ago. And as of late 2020, they were still using Windows XP. Mm -hmm. And I tried to convince them to upgrade. But sadly, I failed. And it wouldn't really surprise me if they were still running XP now. Because in 2019, they claimed to not be a security risk. And they they had an in-house audit by their IT department. And their ID department was one person. <laughs> so I feel like the security risk complaint was so they didn't have to do the upgrade of all of their systems as one person. That's what I would probably su- uh, recommend that they should check it out. But I didn't convince them maybe, and I hope anyway, that you were more successful in convincing these people you saw to update their infrastructure because it does definitely need to have a be addressed when it's that much time passing. And if it's a kernel, what was it, 2.6? Was that the yeah. kernel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. that was the notorious kernel where it had like seven years of support or something, where it was not yeah. because not because it had seven years of support. It's because it was 2.6.48 or something before they actually changed the number. 
So it was oh, just, it, interesting. it was just 2.6 for a very long time and they yeah. just didn't change it. That's why when people talk about like why they change the turnal numbers now, it's because of arbitrary reasons. They just want to bump it up because it's at, and Linus Torvald's reason for it is fantastic. It's I've run out of fingers and toes to count. Yes. I love that <laughs> quote. <laughs> I love that. And I, love it. I know this is a true thing also because of friends that work in, you know, the aerospace and NASA where they keep older kernels, but often those kernels are not public facing. <laughs> so, so the, yeah. this is a lot more serious if it's an old kernel that's public facing. <laughs> Yeah, or just an old corner that gets on the internet still. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) At this point, there are so many different vulnerabilities that were never addressed at that time. Obviously, yeah. So you know, if even if you just get online, it's the same kind of situation. If you have an XP machine and you get online with that thing, you're guaranteed to get infected in almost like instantaneously. Yeah. So Linux is not that bad, but it's still you know. Don't do that. Speaking yeah. of Windows XP, that's one of the reasons why I didn't sign up for a Target membership because they were still using Windows XP on their kiosk for checkout. <laughs> but oh. certainly they're paying for all the security patching I, and I stuff. Hope I hope so. Mean, sure. I don't even think that when Microsoft offers that but, anymore with XP. But yeah, they've I mean, been, they'll offer anything for enough money. Yeah. Which, yeah. I guess that's true. Well, you know, the last time Target got hit by a... <laughs> I was going to say, I'm yeah. pretty sure they had a pretty significant breach. They and, did. Uh, so they've upgraded be... since then. <laughs> I've watched these well, documentaries we <laughs> on YouTube that talk about the fall of certain businesses that, you know, yeah. you kind of wonder like wh- what happened to them. And it is interesting that like Toys R Us, I think was one of the companies that mentioned that it's upgrading its kiosk was such a major amount of money for them and they would have to keep these old kiosks running by having this warehouse of old spare parts that they would accumulate and get off eBay and everything else just to try to keep these machines running because the cost of replacing everything inside was so significant. So, I mean, it's a real issue. Glenn mentions here that the the cost is just extraordinary for some of these companies to rip and replace. So it's not as easy as just saying, hey, go do it. But at the same time, if you're going to have that aging infrastructure then in, and you're using an old Linux kernel, then definitely pay some of these developers to help maintain it for you. And you kind of get the best of both worlds. They're just not going to do it for free. Yeah, I mean, that's completely reasonable. Now I would hope that Toys R Us comes back and just uses Raspberry Pis as their yeah, kiosk. Yeah, exactly. I miss Toys R Us. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yeah, never me too. Always will be in life. Sp- that's right. Speaking of, yeah. of that, here locally in my community, we have uh, the largest uh, Japanese community in the world. And all the stores, the Japanese stores, almost all of them are using Linux and Ubuntu. And on their digital s- signage, on their uh, register- nice. registers for checkout. And I was so nice. happy to see that. It's like, yay! <laughs> they were You've smart. got a new customer in jail. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, well, Mitsuwa we'll and give- Murukai. <laughs> Yeah, we'll also give some people some additional help if you're on an old infrastructure with maybe going passwordless. Mm -hmm. We'll see later in the show. Yeah. You know, some people collect Pokemon cards. uh, Others Mm -hmm. collect baseball cards. Sure. I even, I've never told people this before, have a little bit of a collection of UFC trading cards. Mm, Nice. I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, they're out there. And collections are vast as people's interests. You can collect things for nearly every hobby out there. However... Michael on this show has the strangest hobby of 
all. I have many hobbies and many collections. No. What are you talking about? This one's very weird. You collect domain names. You collect domain names like nobody I've ever seen in my life. That's like, just ridiculous. That's true. That's ridiculous. I only have about 70. What's 100, 70, 100, like my kids would say. They're <laughs> like, I want 70, 100 of this because that's what it's not just 70. Like Pokemon, Michael has to collect them all. Literally, and, and I mean this, any discussion we have with Michael about a new business thing always ends with, we should buy a domain for that. That's Michael's like input of let's buy a domain for that. He wants the .com, the .net, the .biz, the .community. He wants them all. He wants to collect them all because like they're going out of style. Okay, that's a bit excessive. I, I do have a lot of domains and those conversations have happened, but .biz... Really? <laughs> That's the one that got you? That's the oh. one you're like, I don't collect those. I have three. Those are for plebs. I still have three. <laughs> Pleb collectors are the dot biz. So as you can imagine, this gets quite expensive uh, for us. But thankfully, I was able to find a solution for that. And that's where Namecheap comes in. Namecheap is a place where, as you guessed by their name, you can buy domains for cheap. Therefore, that Namecheap. That makes sense. Yeah, and you can also host sites and they have other services there as well. So if you want to be like Michael and collect domain names or you're actually starting a business and just need one, I suggest going to Namecheap. This is where we get ours and we have a link in the show notes where you can start your collection and support our show all at the same time. You can do both at the same time. In fact, they could probably go to a really clever URL that you probably bought, Michael. So I got a domain for this, yes. Ryan. You do. What's that domain, Michael? DestinationLinux.net slash Namecheap. See, the .net was a thing, but I wish it was .biz now because then I've been like, oh, you did buy a .biz. <laughs> well, so .net, I could add to my Linux. collection, Ryan. What about yeah. .tv? Well, well don't, don't encourage him, Jill. Yeah. So click that link and see if you can out-collect Michael. So there is a merge request under consideration right now from the GNOME team that are considering dropping support for X11 entirely. Now, the idea is that X11 has been receiving less testing, and they've been defaulting to Wayland for years since 2016. So they think it's time, and I think this is a very interesting you know, merge request. Maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. And I think that there are some pros and cons to it. So I'm curious, what do y'all think? Ryan, let's start with you. Well, you know what? I don't know what we're talking about because you said gnome. I mean, are, do you mean gnome? maybe? <laughs> oh, gnome? my bad. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. Genome. My bad. Genome. genome. Yes. You're talking about <laughs> genome. All right. So this is an interesting one because I believe that in order for Wayland to be able to move forward and get all of the features and things that we need, at some point, we have to pull the plug on X11 because it's too much of a crutch. People use it as a crutch. They're not going to migrate their apps unnecessarily to move to Wayland unless they absolutely have to. Maybe because of technical debt. Maybe because it's just a single person doing the development work. So I'm not saying they don't have a reason to, but until they're kind of forced to, nobody's going to look at doing that. And then what you have is this hybrid environment, which is confusing to new people coming into Linux. If they're in a Wayland session, say they use Fedora or something, and then someone's like, oh, switch to X11. Like, what does that mean? I don't know what you're talking about. How would I do that? Where in the login screen is the gearbox you're talking about to switch the session? And what is it actually doing? It's just very confusing. You don't have this problem in any other operating system. So I feel like we need to pull the plug. With that said, mm -hmm. NVIDIA has been one of the big reasons why I think we haven't pulled that plug. Yeah. 
And it's still a big reason, I believe, as to why I believe there's still a lot of problems with NVIDIA. I don't have an NVIDIA card, so I can't speak from experience, but just reading forums and things like that, it sounds like there's still issues going on with NVIDIA and Wayland. So I'm kind of at this crossroads. And one side, I feel like you've got to push everybody forward. You've kind of got to make decisions by this. And GNOME is very popular. See you at the crossroads. <laughs> see you at the crossroads. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good reference there, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Bone Thugs and Harmony, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're not telling your age at all. Because all the youngins will know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, all the young ones always would be listening to the... <laughs> the mumble rap. Yeah, exactly. yeah mumble. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, yes. Uh, kids these days don't know music, like our parents said about us. So... I don't know. <laughs> You know, to answer, I, I think GNOME is going to make this move. I think it'll make a lot of people upset. I think some people won't be able to use GNOME without, they'll have, I think you can add like an additional line of code or something like that to get it back in. But so they're not removing it entirely. You can still technically re enable it, but obviously that's going to be something that more of an intermediate advanced user could do. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on their side. I'm kind of like, maybe it's not time yet. I'm somewhere. So they're not removing it entirely? This is more of a. I thought that's what it said in the merge request that you could you could add it back pretty easily with a couple lines of code. They're kind of deprecating it from being there mm. by default, you know, making it pretty difficult to put it in. Uh, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure it said yeah, something that, like there in the text. That, yeah. that was my thoughts on it too. It's a, yeah. a little harder to do than exiting out to the login manager and changing to X11, like, like they've yeah. been doing. Yeah, in fact, I do see it here in their notes. They talk about that, you know, they're going to be removing one eight-line text file that you can put back if you still really want X11. So now it's verified. That's how quick our researchers are on this show. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So quick. <laughs> also, it depends on how much they do this, though, because at some point, they'll start be working exclusively for Wayland support. And if this is a thing, this this might be able to become be brought back in now. But in you know a year or two, will that be this case? Because I I would assume that they're going to start doing things that are specific to the Wayland protocol, and those things would not be compatible with X. So this would not be like a complete departure right now, but it would be a, it's the beginning of a complete departure. Yeah, totally. Yep, it's the beginning of a complete departure. And honestly, I mean, I think that there were some comments in the forum. Uh, about the merge request that had some legitimacy to it. People were talking about color management not being merged into Wayland in, in the way that it's needed to be utilized by tools like GIMP, because GIMP hasn't moved to Wayland yet, apparently, according, again, to the comments in the forum and stuff. So, I don't know. There's GIMP hasn't even moved to GTK3 yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some apps and things that are going to either have to move or accept being broken in GNOME. GNOME is a very popular desktop environment. I think, you know, an app developer would be making a pretty bold decision to not move forward with it. When, when we all know we're going to go to Wayland at some point anyways, yeah. right? So this there is that, but also the fact that there's going to be software that doesn't care. You know, mm -hmm. like some of these, like Skype, for example. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not going to care. <laughs> X Wayland <And> for them. <laughs> they'll, they'll have X Wayland. So we will always yeah. probably have X Wayland yeah. for at least a decade, right? Yeah. That's There's going to be a process of not really having, because X Wayland, for those who don't know, X Wayland is like a, basically a shim of making X translations work on Wayland. So it's not really even X and it's not Wayland. It's more of a thing to make X stuff work in Wayland. And 
this is something I think is going to be there for a while. So some of those applications are really not going to hold it back thanks to X Whalen. But I do think it's not time yet because of that NVIDIA thing you said. Yeah. Like the amount of people who are using NVIDIA. I don't know how I mean what percentage it is because we don't know. We don't have statistics because of all the people who hate the idea of statistics on Linux. That's a side note for me. The We don't know how many people that is, but we do know it's a significant amount. Now, if we move over to Wayland only, are, are we going to lose those users? Is NVIDIA going to support Wayland? We know that they're working on supporting it now, but they fought it for a decade, yeah, right? Yeah, it takes forever for them. Yeah, so we don't yeah. know exactly how long it's going to take overall, but I think this is an interesting idea because at some point it's going to happen. When it happens, I mean, who knows? But someone does have to take the first step, right? Someone has to make this happen as like pull the plug, like Ryan said. But I don't know what the best approach is and when we should do it. But I don't think it's necessarily now. But I do want to say that if GNOME does this, I would be very curious if the ramifications of this or the consequences of this would be other some distributions who didn't want to switch to the Wayland, not using GNOME as their default DE and switching to something hmm. else. I think that might be a you're, possibility. You're thinking about it from a KDE standpoint. You're like, hey, no, KDE I'm take some market I, no, share. That's I what said you're, you're different, evil, Michael. I said a different desktop. I didn't <laughs> say KDE plasma. You know, we know what you meant. You don't even know any other desktops. I know all of them. I use all of them occasionally, occasionally. I, except for yeah. plasma all the time. But what I, you're not wrong. I, in the back of my head, I was thinking KDE Plasma. I didn't say it, though. But doesn't KDE Plasma doing a lot of work pushing towards Wayland, but they're just not cutting off X11 right. yet? They're, yeah. they're still Difference, pushing right? towards Wayland heavily, yes, as they should, and as all projects should that are in this kind of space. So like window managers and stuff like that will eventually need to support Wayland because X is inevitably going to be replaced. This is not a question of should you use Wayland, should you use X, or which one's better or whatever. It doesn't matter which one is better. I mean, Wayland is better overall, technically speaking, because X is just uh, spaghetti code, you know, hodgepodge stuff. Yeah. yeah. And a lot, even the people who work on X don't really fully get X, you know, because it's such a, it's a mashup of, of like, 50 people over decades. It's like old yes. banking software. Yeah. We just talked about. It yeah. is, it, X is basically technical debt. Yeah. But so it's it's not an issue of whether or not it's going to happen. It is going to happen. It's just when, and that's the, I don't know if now is the right time, but, you know, it would be interesting to see what happens with the, another desktop getting more attention and market share, not specifically stating anything of which desktop I'm talking about. Katie Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I was thinking about the NVIDIA conversation we're talking about, and and they will they will move to Wayland when uh, the money is more involved when when the software that they are developing on uh, uses Wayland, like for mm. their their um, they have their their uh, card specifically for AI for for like autonomous vehicles. And uh, I think that's yeah. when they're going to switch is when there's going to be a lot of money involved <laughs> on yeah. the server side. <laughs> most companies, I think. Yeah. 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 The money's there. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely. And actually, so GNOME, you know, dropping X11 doesn't really surprise me either, especially with other desktops and distros that are already thinking about deprecating X11. And some that have already made the switch to Wayland as well, like uh, RHEL. 
for instance. Yeah. So it's coming. It's it's a slow roll, but it's like we talked about. Uh, it's like open season slow roll. <laughs> open exactly. Open season slow roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice callback to yes. last episode. All right. And um, Wayland is is actually now being you know actively updated, unlike X11, which developers have spent years working around X window systems bugs and issues since the Unix days in 1984. <laughs> Man, that seems a little old software. We're talking yeah. about XP being old. I'm pretty sure XP came out after 1984. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure. Sometime in the 90s, 2000s maybe, yeah. early 2000s. I don't so there is the X window out. system, but then there's also the different versions of X. Yeah, yeah. X3, you know? So X it's not exactly, and, yeah. 1984 is just, is not the same thing. as like true. That's, that's the one we're using. You, you know? ruined yeah. my joke, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I did? I did a spin and I threw a sledgehammer into the screen of your joke. Oh, yeah. man. And wow. you know that was a deep cut for anybody <laughs> who doesn't get that. I'll just tell you, it's that's a 1984 uh, TV commercial, Super Bowl commercial for, oh, for Apple. Apple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's the, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> I have that Macintosh of which that commercial talks about. <laughs> of course you do, Joe. <laughs> so I feel like, to Jill's point, I would be a little hypocritical to be hard on GNOME for this because. I've kind of been praising everything else, including Pipewire, pushing that, even though everything wasn't ready in Pipewire, that, hey, using that as default is the way to go because it works for me and I don't care about anybody else. No, I'm teasing. Uh, But because Pipewire has so many advantages, right, over over the other uh, options available. So to me, it's like uh, I feel like anybody pushing the envelope forward where it makes enough sense and enough users will be able to benefit from it. I think we go for it. And in this case, they might be a little bit early, but I'm not going to knock them for it because I think this will probably help propel Wayland where it needs to be from the developers there. And, and the companies will get yeah. involved. Like Jill said, yeah. NVIDIA will see the monies there and they'll probably move. But so, there's a difference between not pushing an audio server that has a fallback to another audio server that works totally fine for most people. And also another option for the pro people who could use that instead. And then waiting to having this audio server to its to the point where it's, you know, a good option for both and then switching at that point, which is what they did with Pipewire and mm-hmm. then doing this because if, well, you got if X a system, no, X Wayland is, is not, is not an actual thing. It's, it's, it's able, it's able to, can, it's a to translation meet, layer. But it's 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 for Wayland. The problem is, is if the if the soft the hardware, like for example, Nvidia doesn't support Wayland properly, it, your computer just it would not work. I gotcha. So it's 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 a bigger problem. And like I don't know, there was a huge pro- issue years ago where if you tried to use Wayland in on Nvidia hardware, you would just get a black screen. Uh-huh. You did nothing. <laughs> I don't know how far they've gone since then because I don't have Nvidia hardware, but. I do think that there is there is has been movement on that. So I'm not I'm not saying you're not going to get absolutely anything, but there the progress they have made is not to the degree where pipewire could be pushed in and no one noticing it. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly. not there yet. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> you know, uh Wayland, we actually probably would have had that a lot sooner. Um in fact, it was created by Christian Hogsberg while he was working for Red Hat. But at the time, Red Hat didn't have the resources to replace X because all their developers were working on X. <laughs> and, you know. Well, I mean, there's really no reason to replace X at that time. Yeah. This is, we're talking about 
2008 was when yeah. Birmingham started, yeah. right? So for many years, 2008 to 2012, there wasn't really that much there wasn't progress on Wayland. Yeah. Like there was progress, but not a lot, not to the point of actually replacing an entire display server. So we've been only been probably the last 15 years, 10 to 15 years of <laughs> a, a significant push. Yeah. yeah. I'd just like to give a shout out to Auto P. Okay. All right, now for some context. What? RP wrote a blog, and uh, he was talking about his experience with an NVIDIA with NVIDIA and Wayland. I just thought it would be funny to pause there. Just give a shout-out to Auto P. I thought you were going to be like, <laughs> you know, Auto P, yeah, you know me. Is that what yeah, you're doing? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but they, they, they're talking about the experience and talks about a lot of flickering issues, OBS still not working and things like that. And this was many months ago, so things could be fixed by then, but seems at least through 2022, which was when this blog post was written. There were still lots of issues going on. And in 2023, I do see Pharonix has done some game testing with NVIDIA and some Wayland. So I think things are probably much better there. There might not be perfect, but, you know, NVIDIA users, write us and let us know. How is your Wayland experience? <laughs> let us know yeah. how And if you've not tried it, try it and let us know. And we would very much Don't like just to tell us that. if you're just using like a text editor like well i use vim and i use wayland and nvidia it works fine uh, like, yeah test out yeah. obs and some gaming and things and let us know please because that i think is where yeah. it was getting hung up before well i i've been doing you know on our last few fedora reviews we've been doing I'm, i've made sure in fact my fedora box is running an nvidia card so i uh, i noticed with fedora when we were uh, testing fedora 34 that was the change for me when it actually worked out of the box when I installed Fedora and it recognized uh, the NVIDIA card on Wayland. Very nice. So for me, that that was the first. And it, and it, it does, I mean, uh, most of the games work just fine. Uh, nice. And it's it's been a lot better, actually, on that machine. So yeah. things are yeah, I actually want to, just to clarify one thing, I wasn't saying that it wouldn't work. I just yeah, meant it wasn't a drop-in replacement. Yeah, there's, just to be clear, there's bugs. <laughs> there's still bugs. There's still issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With OBS is is one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that was one of the ones that mm -hmm. is constantly uh, a battle there. But yeah. write us, let us know. We might read it in a follow-up show. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and Linstore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and Linstore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Talk about something that affects every 
single person. Mm-hmm. It's called password fatigue, Michael. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of dealing with your stupid long passwords <laughs> that you create. You know, as a as as business partner of mine, having a 84 character password is yes, it's secure, but it's very annoying if you ever have to, to manually type that in for certain reasons. You know? I feel like you're holding back a little. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. I feel like you're holding it's that but, frustrating. You know? Yeah, but to be to be f- clear about you know, he's giving me a hard time, and I just want to clarify: the first time he gave me a hard time on the show, which was a long time ago, I don't remember when it was, maybe. Six months to a year, somewhere around there. The first yeah. time he gave me a hard time about May this, May fifth, twenty twenty-three. There is no way that's true. I hope. I hope that's true. There's no way. Anyway, so the first time he gave me a hard time, I immediately switched to passphrases because they are easy to remember. They're easy to yeah. share yeah. in terms of like mm-hmm. verbally telling you, and they're still secure passwords because they're super long. Mm-hmm. So this is a haha to Ryan about that. Yeah, so well, they're longer now, still but they're easier to do. Better. It yeah. is, but you just got to type mean, more. That's it's a bunch all. of random words. I mean, is it, yeah, still, if you have to manually type it, it's still. But anyways, <laughs> Google's going to solve all of this for It's us. better well, than like switching character case and switching symbols and numbers and all that true. stuff. See, that's what I do. You guys would not like my password. Well, especially if Jill to stores them on a floppy disk. Because that's old school, old school. Yeah, exactly. You know, from the BBS I used days. to do it that way, yeah. but I never put them on a floppy disk. Yeah. Uh, Jill has right. a floppy disk, and she just put a label Bitwarden on it. You yeah. Know? That's her <laughs> I, bit. I actually <laughs> have one with Bitwarden on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my that's goodness. That's her version of Bitwarden there. All right. So, Google, Uber, WhatsApp, eBay, and Apple, all of the greatest companies ever. Uh you said that with a little bit of a snicker there. No, 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 no. All the greatest. I, th- I mean, that's just like the a clear, genuine, uh, uh, obvious statement. They they are my the favorites. best. My favorites. The best, especially my favorite the Uber and WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, I favorite them on my Aww. contact list. They all run my limits Google. on the back end, so. Yeah, they have to. They don't have a they choice. Have, they don't have a choice for security. Yeah, so they're pushing towards a passwordless future using pass keys instead of passwords. And Google is one of the first ones to make the biggest push by making this the default method in the near future for accessing your account. In fact, it started now. You might start getting prompts from Google saying, hey, switch to a passkey. It's time to switch to a passkey on any of your Google accounts. If you're still utilizing Google, that is. Um, Those of us, though, who use SSH, if you're wondering what's a passkey exactly, will be very familiar with this technology because it basically puts a private key on your device, such as your phone or a tablet or a computer, and puts the public key up on the server. And you basically authenticate, kind of like a YubiKey would. You have this two-factor authentication by going to your phone and accepting the prompt through your biometrics or by entering Are you trying to ruin the tip of the week this week, Ryan? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, I would never do that. I think that's what you're doing right now. <laughs> no, I would never do that. I'm just saying it's similar to that thing that you would keep saying. <laughs> I did it I last you. week. I ruined the tip of the week now last week. Now it's Ryan's week, turn. So now it's yeah. Ryan's turn. <laughs> Ryan's turn. <laughs> so according to Google and others, this is going to remove the most popular attack, which is a phishing attack, uh, from being an effective method of breaching an account because obviously it doesn't there's no password to be shared here to grab or steal or utilize across many different devices. And additionally, no more long passwords means no more password managers would be needed either. You wouldn't need a password manager to rememberize all these things because you're using this pass key in place of it. 
So I don't know, Michael, what do you think? This seems like a reasonable kind of switch here. I think there's a lot of potential value for this and it makes a lot of sense. It just makes it a little more complicated for some people. So in some ways it's easier because you don't have to remember the password and you could just have your device and the people Mm -hmm. who are not technical, like not tech savvy, they could just use their device and have access. And that's, that's cool. And it's a secure way of getting access. But what if they replace their phone? or they have a different laptop, or they, you know, switch platforms from Apple to Google's Android and stuff like that. What if they did all of these things? How would this translate? Would this be an easy process? Because I would assume that they'd have to create a whole new private key, then register that with whatever they're trying to register it with. And there's just gonna be, you know, a different kind of hassle. I think it's still going to be as annoying and as hassle filled as passwords themselves are now. But maybe because this is fixing the phishing part, maybe that in itself is worth it doing it, even though there are certain ways that you could clearly poke holes in this. But that particular form of attack is rampant. And in certain cases with certain people with like very little technical skill, it's easy to get them to not necessarily easy, but it's not a, it's not unheard of to get to trick people in that sense. So. Yeah, Just even sim swapping, itself. right? Like sim swapping and things like that become major problems for people who utilize two-factor authentication, slightly more secure than just having a password. We're using text messages. Sim swapping is a big problem out there uh, yeah. that people have to contend with. So I think passkey is definitely something that is a better alternative than, say, text 2FA as an option. And well, phishing is FA, the number yes. one way to attack people. I mean, it's... For it's sure. Yeah. Definitely. Something I mean, I constantly get emails about, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. hey, your email server is messed up here. Here, could click this to fix it. Or your domain is messed up. Click here to fix it. And, and out of just pure morbid curiosity, I guess, I look at the URL attached to whatever they're trying me to click. And it's some random gibberish dot BL something or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even know yeah. where that is. Or the uh, package one where it's like, hey, you got a package coming, but something went wrong. Oh, yeah, we need your address. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need you to verify your address and all that nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So I, I basically, if I don't know the person, I am incredibly skeptical about an email, right? But the, the thing about, like, f- this would solve the phishing thing, but it also creates other problems. Like, for example, people having terrible passcodes to get into their phone or... Okay, this, the you mean their swapping. phone itself becomes insecure because they use one 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 as a pin code to get yeah. the phone, or don't even have, or don't even have anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah. So I've seen certain, people like that recently. It blows my mind. They lay their phone down and it just stays unlocked, uh, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And then walk <laughs> away from it like it's nothing. Yeah. I'm like, well, now I'm going to change your wallpaper to my face. So my favorite thing is just to is to change the you know it's like the old legacy thing. I, I don't think you can do it on a phone, but I wish you could where you could take this, uh, your desktop with all the icons, take a screenshot of that, move all of the icons off the desktop, put the wallpaper of that new screenshot, <laughs> yeah, that's and you have this. <laughs> oh, that's evil. They try to click things. Yeah. It just doesn't, nothing happens. They're like, so what's going evil, on with my computer? Yes. Uh, yeah. Who that's, hurt that, you, Michael? Who hurt I, you? I, 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 <laughs> I would never do that. That's a ridiculous thing to do. So, uh, not now. But the <laughs> the... The idea of fixing the phishing thing is is probably the, worth doing it just because of how rampant that is. The average user, you know, is becoming more aware of of passwords and security, but there are still many that are using the same two or three or even one passwords over oh, and yeah. over again. And this eliminates 
you know, that, 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 that vulnerability <laughs> of being attacked on several different vectors. <laughs> so yeah. it really it does, does. It does eliminate that part because the, de- the device is really the private key on the device is the same, yeah. but it doesn't matter because the public key every time would be different, probably depending on how they Correct. structure it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential in this idea. I just wish there would be more. I wish people wouldn't hack. Just, I know. just stop I hacking. Know. I mean, of course, kumbaya and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I wish I just, for world peace. I just wish, yeah. wish, I wish these companies would come into a, like, an idea that would be able to be done in a more seamless transitional way. Because the way I, I looked into this and the most of the way they were talking about it is going to be a specific implementation from Apple and a specific implementation from Google. Yeah. And is that... Is that worth it at that point well, when they you mentioned you losing out? your device, you know, and this this becomes a problem, right? If you lose your device, if you don't have it set up on an alternate device, and a lot of people's only device nowadays is their phone. They might have a tablet, they may not, but they may not have an extra device. So if they lose that device, they can't get into their stuff. If their device is weak and somebody gets a hold of that device, physically steals it, but it definitely removes the remote option. So, Jill, are you gonna switch to passkey on all your accounts? Is this something you're interested in? Um I I probably won't only because of, you know, I already have a, a password system in place <laughs> yeah. on I floppy disk. Because she, she can't put those, she can't use the floppy disk as the Correct. pass key. For I the can't private use key. that. That would unless, be cool though. Yeah. Well, and, le, and le, yeah, unless uh, I put it in a computer and then set up that computer. Look, she's figuring it out. Yeah. Right she's like, I will figure yeah. out how to use my floppy as a pass key. Yeah. I love it. No, now here's the problem. So Jill's saying, hey, I, I might use this. Michael, you said anything Apple does, I'm on board for. So here's the thing. That is not a direct quote. <laughs> not at all. You could take that to the bank, people. Uh, here's the problem that uh, they're saying it's only supported on Chrome, Edge, or Safari. So no word on Firefox or other browsers, leaving those users out in the cold. There are also issues cross-platform. While you can share pass keys across Apple devices using iCloud keychain, so if you move from one Apple device to the newest one, you're fine. But if you take Michael's example and go from iPhone to Android, then you know those devices are using Google Password Manager, and there's no easy way to share passwords between the two because they hate each other, or at least that's the perception uh-huh. we all have. I mean, that actually makes sense a lot, yeah. you know. So they're not going to allow that to happen. Probably more Apple's not going to allow that to happen because, you know, they are infamous for their iMessage lockdown thing. Did you they- hear about what happened recently with the, I forgot what it was called, but it's like the R, R, iMessage versus R. There's some kind of complicated term. Starts with R, I don't remember. Yeah. But there's a new change in the latest version of Android where they have this tweak to the iMessage thing. So it used to be when you click the little reaction thing, it would send a message to the Android user that says, the blah blah liked whatever you said, yeah, and it was it was just it looked kind of clunky and yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now Android apps support reactions, so when, or Androids their messaging thing supports it now. Yeah. So when you send an, from an iPhone to the Android device, it will pop up on the like the reactions you get on other chat apps at the very bottom, and then if you send it back, you send a reaction as an Android user, it now does the exact same thing to the, to the iPhone user. 
So they swapped it. Uh, so it now tells the iPhone user they don't have a green bubble or so whatever. Now you feel an <laughs> yeah. Apple exactly. user. It's exactly. RCS, which is their encrypted text messaging, which back in That's the it. day, we used to argue about the fact that Android had a very insecure text messaging platform. And, you know, iMessage was a far better option because at least it was encrypted. It wasn't necessarily fully end-to-end encrypted in that Apple couldn't get into it, but it was encrypted enough to make it more secure than having no encryption at all. And But now they have RCS, which, of course, you know has some major improvements to it. And RCS isn't perfect. There's a lot of people out there arguing which is better, RCS or iMessage and the encryption method. But either way, the point is that these two companies, whichever are one it is, probably friends. Apple, are not best friends. And therefore, <laughs> oh, they're not, not going to make a seamless uh, transition here. And this is a problem. This is a frustration for users because uh, fair market says you should be able to switch between those devices anytime you want. It's not fair to lock people up into an ecosystem. And then you've got Windows devices too out there, don't forget. <laughs> no, you don't. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Never mind. You got a lot of those out there. You got some. Um, so you can use Safari for Apple, but if you want to set up your passkey for Google, as another example, you need to install Chrome on your Apple device to do that because they're not going to support it through Safari. I don't know if that's Apple or Google, but... This seems so much better, Google and Apple and other companies that are pushing this. This is not even more complicated than the previously. This is so much better. Thank you for doing this and (laughs) considering all the possibilities. This would help. Thank you. It's good. It's great. Great. The company Mm -hmm. is now assigned you 10 social points for your great attitude towards their recent change. (laughs) Congratulations, Michael. You know what, Michael and Catch those in and get me a... (laughs) You know, a bonus reward or something. You know what? When this comes to, uh, when it's integrated into SeaMonkey, one of my favorite web browsers, then I'll switch Mm. over. There you go. (laughs) I have a problem. They've docked you five social points. (laughs) I don't want to be negative, Jill, but... Probably not. Happening. <laughs> not happening. Now, Sea Monkey's on the cutting edge. Actually, their 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 development is is actually very good every few months. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I don't know whether this is the answer or not, or if it's time to throw out your password manager. <laughs> Probably not for us, because all of us in Linux are smart people who have a whole system down and it's way more secure. But for your average Joe, maybe your mom, your dad, other people. Might be a good option to switch them to passkey. It might help with the fishing attempts. Yeah. And I ain't talking about pond fishing. I'm talking You're not about, talking about pond fishing. PH fishing. Are you talking about yeah. PT fishing? No. Fishing with a pho. Speaking of passkeys and passwords, I've got something for you that you don't need either of those for. <laughs> Do you remember the arcade games like Time Traveler released back in 1991 that used photorealistic movies of real people and you didn't have to use a password to use it? (laughs) Well, our game this week isn't a hologram, unfortunately, but it does use real photos in the background to offer some very surreal beauty to the game. And the game is called Seedlings. It's actually a really charming game where you are a seed that rolls through each map, but sometimes needs a bit of help along the way with insects and neat creatures that carry you through the obstacles. The game definition on Steam describes it like this. Immerse yourself in nature as a sentient seed in this relaxing, award-winning 2.5D puzzle platformer. You possess different plant creatures with unique abilities and find your way through the New Zealand native forest made using 
real photos and videos. And boy, are they beautiful. <laughs> they are absolutely, the, this, this game nails it. They, they used it in such a, a beautiful way, the real photography um, against, you know, a moving background. They just, they did that. It's such a clever idea, too, yeah. and to use footage from such a beautiful place. Exactly. That I have been to New Zealand, and it is oh. just one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. Uh, so, you know, to utilize that as a backdrop for a game, obviously, is a great choice there. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want to take us back for a second to Time Traveler because okay. does everybody remember Time Traveler, Traveler, the hologram game? Yeah. Where <laughs> you not. would spend a dollar. I think it was like 75 cents or a dollar. Because okay. back then that was like yeah. half your arcade money. Yeah. <laughs> it, was no, it was no small amount. And the controls weren't very good. I would die within like 30 seconds because I had no idea what you were actually supposed to do. You're like a cowboy and you were kind of mm -hmm. going around time traveling and shooting at things, but it was a hologram. It was a legit hologram. It looked very, very cool, especially back in the 90s that this yeah. thing existed. When you walked in the arcade, you were as a kid, you were just like, oh my gosh, the future is going to be amazing. This is the beginning of something so great. And now that I'm here in the future, You're I want to say <laughs> I am extraordinarily disappointed with where we've ended oh. up here. <laughs> well, you know what, uh, uh, Ryan, you you brought back a memory because I remember going into the arcade and and when Time Traveler was new, it was the one all the kids were wrapped, yeah. you know, around because it. I think it was the first time we saw a hologram <laughs> in yeah. arcade. So that that yeah, and that, and that's how it was an amazing experience. Yeah. walking up. I don't remember this at all. So yeah. really, missed, you need to look it up because you might, when you look up the video and watch it go, oh yeah, I do remember that. It mm -hmm. was, it was very popular, but I think everyone had the same problem. The playability wasn't very good in it, yeah. the controls and stuff, mm -hmm. but the, the general idea of it was just fantastic. And, uh, and, and didn't they like over time change the, the locations that you could go to in the yeah. game? Yeah. I think they did some updates yeah. and changed some of it. They really tried to make this a thing because Honestly, I think they, they saw how many people would be interested in this. It's kind of like VR, I guess, in mm -hmm. that way. Like, oh, it just, absolutely. you know, yeah. absolutely blows you away for a while. But then the controls and everything else and maybe the motion sickness kind of <laughs> out of it. But anyways, we're talking about this charming game, yes. Seedlings, where you don't have to worry about any of those problems because the controls yeah. are probably fantastic. Seedlings, uh I loved, oh, jeez, I just love the ambient music of this game <laughs> and the sound design and the beautiful visuals of a lush New Zealand forest. It's so yeah. relaxing and zen. And, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I've always loved games that use real videos and, you know, create depth with what I like to call a photo collage. That's, that's what I would call it with my animation students would be a photo collage yeah, style from it. locations here on earth or in outer space. Nice. Yeah. And it was used. Oh, Oh, seedlings was created using the open source Godot game engine, which we all know. Yeah. And, love. Nice. and it runs on our Linux penguins out of the box. And it's, nice. you can go grab it for $10 on steam and it's well worth the journey. Is that and true though? 
Is that true? We should rarefy the ton. Nine ninety nine, technically. <laughs> You're just Michael's so blown away. He's like, it can't be nine dollars. <laughs> Not for seedlings. It should be sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Like the new modern. It's still nine ninety nine, Michael. It's still nine ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. Let me see your jaw hit the ground. I checked today, and this is actually a really good game for the whole family. It really oh is. yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Really yeah, this is actually a very beautiful game. It's an mm-hmm. odd game in the fact that you're a seed. Yeah. But it's a very interesting and also at the same time a intriguing game because of that you're a seed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how does that work, right? So abstract. Uh, real quick, though, I want to go back in time to okay. earlier in the game. Going back. This, yeah. Okay. Woo. Our time traveler. Uh, we're uh, to talk about time traveler yeah. because I looked up the video as Ryan said I might recognize it once I saw it. I do remember. Okay, it now. Yeah. yeah. I did not know what it, what, what its name was at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I never would have thought it was named Time Traveler because it it looked nothing like Time Traveler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a very cool game in there. Very anyway. cool time. And I wish they would bring some of those arcades back. Like, why don't they do more hologram? I know. Arcades now. Everything's VR headset, I guess, has kind of replaced it there. But uh, you didn't need a headset for this. No. You could just look at it, and you had all that stuff there. It's wonderful. Well, Jill, as the only mature person on this entire show, sometimes you probably feel like a lone wolf. Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> so, and and that's the name of our, <laughs> our, our software spotlight this week. What a transition. <laughs> Thank you. Lone Wolf. It uses Kanban organizational tools, which are a great way to be more productive and keep track of your progress professionally or personally. And Kanban, for those of you that don't know, and I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it right, (laughs) but it's Japanese word that translates directly as visual card. And as a project management Methodology, Kanban involves creating visual cards that list details about a task and organizing them into a list on a board that represents different stages of a production process. Like you can have, for example, a list of things to do, a list of things you've done, and a list of things that have been done. And you can move Mm -hmm. those cards back and forth between your different columns. It's extremely effective. Yeah organization style, especially when you have a team of programmers, which I have, who hate filling anything out in a project management tool, but Kanban makes things more like a game. You're moving cards around. It's very fast. It's very simple. They're not having to enter tons of unnecessary information uh, in there. So because of its simplicity, it's actually extraordinarily effective for people who typically don't like to organize themselves. In fact, I would say in a lot of ways, not only is it a fantastic tool for experienced project managers, but uh, it can be a stepping stone to people understanding the value of those who've never used a project management tool uh, to get into them. Because if you've used one of these ones that's extraordinarily complex system of, you know, forms and things that you have to fill out and tracking timelines and grids and you know, some people like that and you may graduate to that, but Kanban style is a very effective way of improving the organization and tracking your time very effectively in the simplest manner possible. You can just yeah. type some things in, move some cards around. It's it's really brilliant. It's kind of like a to-do list that also has that card swapping situation. Yeah, so yeah. Can, yeah, it is. So it's simple like a to-do list, but it's also got an extra element. 
And just so you know, I, you mentioned how you don't know if this, that's how you pronounce it. I have I always said Kanban. Okay. But when I said it on a show years ago, I was repeatedly explained it was Kanban. Kanban. However, oh, that, that sounds. Jeffy. I don't know if that's true. It okay. could just be someone trolling me in a live chat. Yeah. You, know, you could so, utilize either one, Michael. Kanban you could utilize either one. Yes, Kanban. that's true. <laughs> utilize anyone you want. You could utilize that. You could utilize uh, the to-do list, whatever you, you whatever style utilize you want. Any of it. Utilize you. as much as you want in any of it. However, however, it's best for you to utilize. That's how you should utilize it. Utilize Aww. it. Yep. Well, you know, actually, personally, I have been using a lot of these techniques with my students when they're doing storyboards. Um, oh yeah, especially That's fantastic. Yeah, yep. especially with big productions where. Um, or, you know, animations that take a lot of time so they can, it helps them organize where to put their different camera angles and different scenes. So also there's a, a very popular uh, service that's been around for a long time and people even refer to it as like the reference of what the term, uh, the methodology is mm. and it's Trello. Oh yeah. Trello. So I've seen people yeah. say Trello like, or, you know, uh, something like sense. Trello or Trello alternative or whatever, but they're really just talking about Kanban, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny because that's kind of become like the, the brand association. So if you ever use Trello, that's basically what this kind of thing is. Hmm. And if you haven't, then you should just jump into lone wolf because then you already have, you're good to go. Why, why bother yeah. with that? Yeah. But I love your idea for storyboarding. Yeah. So if you think about writing a book, if you're ever going to write a book, you've got kind of your character development you're keeping track of, you have your story progression and things, and being able to move those cards around as you go, mm-hmm. um, especially during the editing and rewriting process and things would be extremely valuable. So I, I never thought about it from a storyboarding perspective, but what a great use of that. Yeah. And I actually know of some uh, YouTube content creators that – that use this style of organization software to produce their shows because they're very visual artistic people and and Hmm. they like to move the cards around with things they've done, things they need to do and what's coming up to keep track of producing shows. (laughs) So it makes sense. Maybe I should do that. Get more shows out. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think I should do it too. (laughs) Dang it. Thanks a lot, Jill. Now you just give me work. Now I have to. How dare you make us efficient, (laughs) Jill? So Lone Wolf actually lets you organize and track your tasks with ease. The features it includes are manage lists, create cards, organize cards with tables, set due dates for yourself, add attachments, write descriptions of your tasks in Markdown, which is awesome, and split up larger tasks with checklists. And keep your thoughts by adding comments for your future self. I love that. Future self? Yeah. Please tell Michael he's mean to me in the future. Future self. Why would your future self say that? Or why would you need your future self to do it when you do it instantly at that? Then right fill out the cam board so it looks like I'm organized. Yeah. Just, oh, random nonsense. I see. In there. Yeah. I should write a story, like do a storyboard about my story about Ryan and how his inability to not wear workout shirts. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Well, we changed the time of the show. And so directly after the show, I go to the gym. You know, it's like, that's your fault. You picked this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Sunday, that actually the reason? Is that the yeah, reason? Yeah. Like I'm right from here, I'm to the gym, man. To the gym. <laughs> Is that your tip and trick, by the way? Is set your show time up so that you can go directly to the gym afterwards. Well, no, I work out in the mornings, not oh, okay. in the evenings. All right. So it doesn't work. It doesn't work the same for me. <laughs> but what the tip of the week is, is something you spoiled earlier, and that's the YubiKey, 
because you can use the YubiKey to help secure your accounts whether you plan to use a passkey or not. And YubiKey implementation provides that physical device required to access your accounts with a 2FA or two-factor authentication. It's far more secure than using a two-factor authentication for temporary one-time passwords and definitely more secure than SMS 2FA, which is like the text message system because of the whole SIM swapping situation that Ryan described earlier. YubiKeys are also easy to set up and compatible with any browser and, of course, Linux. So YubiKeys might be something you want to check out because you can effectively do the passkey thing that they're ta- we talked about earlier that these companies are trying to promote and do that now without having to worry about support for whatever platform that you're using and that sort of thing. Also, a former client of mine contacted me this week that they were terrified because their email was down and their website wasn't working. And uh, it turns out their domain expired. And this is only relevant to this because when I went to log in to pay for the registration of the, of the, the domain in multiple years in advance, I also uh, noticed that the login two-factor authentication code was being sent to an email with that domain, which of course with that domain expired, it can't actually get the code. So I had to go through this huge process of verification and all this other stuff with the tech support people of the the registrar in order to get the thing working again. And when I was done with the chat, the tech support person from the registrar said, hey, this might be a good time to set up two-factor authentication for this this account. And I thought, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a very yeah. good time. Pretty good, idea. <laughs> Pretty good idea there. By the way, I was showing my YubiKey to everyone yeah. and noticed it says wired on the back. Oh yeah, wired. And magazine. so because I'm so cheap, I got the version of wired subscription that was like twelve dollars for the year and came with a YubiKey. And I was like, of course I'm gonna get the subscription. But I wanted more than one key. So I bought two wired subscriptions, which was still cheaper than going and buying a YubiKey. By itself there. So that's nice. how I acquired my first YubiKeys was through Wired Magazine subscription. So Wired, it worked. I don't know awesome. if you made any money on it, but it, it worked. And, and also it might work again if people, if they're still doing that and now people go to it for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So you gave as, them a far life as, hack, you know? as far as events to go to, we've got All Things Open. What is All Things Open? Well, it's a conference. It describes itself as a polyglot technology conference focusing on the tools, processes, and people making open source possible. And that's October 15th through the 17th. If you want to check that out, I think it's in North Carolina. Is that right? Raleigh, North Carolina? I think so. Yeah, it's Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. 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 So that's a pretty cool one to check out. You've got Ubuntu Summit, which Michael is going to. That's true. You may want to avoid it because Michael will be there, but... Ubuntu people will be there, and that makes it really cool. So, so you want to avoid it now. Go. So there you go. <laughs> you definitely should go. Uh, and Michael will be hosting, moderating a panel for an AMA and the community council. Basically, Michael's going to be everywhere. He is. This thing. You, you can't miss him. He's like six foot nine. He's I'm not that for not a head that that's above everybody I'm else. tall, but not that tall. <laughs> so, yeah, but in terms of the moderating the panel, I'm looking forward to that a lot. It's an AMA for the Community Council of Ubuntu, and we're also going to be doing a, uh, a special presentation, well, possibly, that I might be hosting that. So that's another thing that I'll be there doing. Yeah, and I'll also, right, I also have a talk that I'm doing about, I'll tell you this week, it's about open source marketing or marketing Yay. and open source and how to, do, how, how to do it properly and like the do's and don'ts and that sort of thing. 
So I also give like some stories about how you can implement certain strategies that are not necessarily made for open source, but could be implemented into an open source project and that sort of stuff. So in, if, you, if you can't make it to Ubuntu Summit, you still might want to check out that video, which I'll post sometime after the summit. Of you course. get about two years from now if you wait. For and, and, well, if it's, I'm <laughs> doing it there live and I'm just going to, oh, okay. you know, well, I don't, if it requires me to actually record it, edit it and do all that. Yeah, that would take like two years. In this case, it's just take the file and then like chop it up a little bit. All right. <laughs> but good. I'm also going to be doing some other stuff which I'll tell you about next week. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I have to keep Exciting. tuning in to find out what Michael's doing. God. Exactly. I can't wait to but, watch the live feeds like at three in the morning like I did last time to watch Michael's talk. <laughs> did you stay up till three in the morning yes. to watch Michael talk? Actually, I stayed oh up till God. five because I wanted to watch this, the talks before Michael and after, too. <laughs> Look at that. That's dedication. My butt will be sleeping, I promise. <laughs> I, I will check out the replay of it, though. I will. Uh, we have some exciting news to share with you as well. Scale 2024 is scheduled for March 14th through the 17th at the Pasadena Convention Center, which is in Pasadena, California, conveniently. Oh, and really? This is where you can come hang out with the entire DL crew, plus all the amazing vendors, presenters, and open source enthusiasts out there. Time is running out, though, for you to do your proposal for submissions if you want to do a talk there, if you have something you want to share with the open source community. And so November 1st is the deadline for proposal submissions there. You can share your project, passion, or ideas at scale this year, or just come hang out at our booth yeah. and get some free stuff. Like, it'll be fun. It's worth it. Yes. Good opportunity to network with gigantic Linux and open source companies, as well as small and medium-sized Linux open source you know, companies. It's just, it's a fantastic time. You get to meet and lots of cool people. And also, Jill. Jill's Aww. there. I mean, that's enough. I should that's just all you know. That's all you Jill, know. Jill will be yeah. there. Jill will be there. All right. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening Destination Linux, however you do it. We love your faces. You can come join us on Discord, talk about the shows. Go to tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And if you want to watch the show live, you can. You just got to become a patron of Destination Linux. Help support the show. Help keep the show you love so much going by becoming a patron. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash membership and you get a ton of perks like watching the show live, but also you can join us in the patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. And you can do that as well as many other things such as getting access to patron-only sections of our Discord server and so much more, including the new ad-free version <gasps> of the unedited <gasps> episodes of our show. So you can get all of that at slash membership. And also go to tuxdigital.com slash store to get some cool swag. You have swag like t-shirts, hoodies, hats, mugs, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. And we also have a new process that we're going to be switching from one store to a new store backend. And in that, in the meantime, you can get all the stuff that's currently on the, the existing store at a like kind of like an OG legacy thing because we might not move everything over. There's going to be some things we'll move over, but not everything. So you so, better buy it because it may never exist again. Yeah. May never exist again. Oh my gosh, we're creating that scarcity. <laughs> that scarcity. It's going to run out of stock, folks. It's nearly gone now. Collectors have nearly gone. We have yeah. 20,000 We left. actually don't have any stock left whatsoever oh, of none. any of those items. 20,000 was gone. I mean, they're made on demand, so there's, there's no stock in the first place. Oh, yeah, right. But, you know. Oh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on TextVisual. That's right, we have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Hooray! Linux Saloon is our weekly virtual lug hosted by Nate every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can join live if you want to. Head to textizzle.com forward slash Linux Saloon to get all the info. And everyone head to textizzle.com and subscribe to all our amazing shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so that others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. And everybody have an awesome week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. We love you all. Also, for those who don't know, who couldn't tell, yes, I'm sick, and I still made the show. That's yes. how dedicated yes. I am. You're so pale naturally that it's hard to tell. <laughs> you can't tell. That you're sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're pale. Oh. Uh, that's you can, also you why. You know I, when Michael's sick, Brian, he wears a hat. Mean. Yeah. For, for, for anybody who's wondering why I have a hat on, that's that's the reason. Aww. Yeah. No, Ryan. I don't want to do my hair today. I didn't care or enough. because he's a half head. He only has half a head. <laughs> I wish I knew what episode that was on so I could get a reference for that. Yeah. Man, yeah. I don't remember what that was from. It was a good one, though. It was a good one. Wait, See you we next did week, it. everybody. We yeah. a show. Jill and Michael were both sick, and we still did the show. Yeah. That's our level of dedication. It's unparalleled by anybody. It's unmatched by anyone. We are incredible. I we mean, I'm fine, so there's no nothing special about me being here. Well, but. technically speaking, this particular episode is me, me and Jill being sick, but you also went to the dentist that one other yeah. episode, so you still it's did. True. Yeah. It's true. So if you think we about it, we're all, we're all willing to be yeah. showing how awesome we are. People should become sickness. a patron just because of what we put our bodies through yeah. to be here. We're like wrestlers or UFC fighters and other things that abuse their bodies <laughs> to bring you this show. <laughs> Every single week. And you can show your appreciation by becoming a patron. Exactly. Killing ourselves, folks. Yeah. <laughs>